Joining us now is Tony Arbin. Uh, Tony has wisewolf.gold to help you uh, get gold and silver and any small or large amount on a monthly basis as well. And he supports this program with davidknight.gold, which takes you to uh, Tony's site, but also uh, lets him know that you're coming through us. So joining us now is Tony Arbin. Thank you for joining us, Tony. Good to Good to see you. It's good to see you, David. Hey, if, if Diogenes uh, was around today, he'd be a David Knight listener. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's funny about Diogenes. I heard a story a long time ago from a friend of mine. He was my first squad leader in the army and he became a history professor. And he told me a story about Diogenes. You know, he's always on the lookout for an honest man, mm-hmm. uh, but he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't look in a mirror either. If you held up a mirror, he turned away because he was looking for an honest man. So I always thought that was fun. A little bit of uh <laughs> a little bit of Greek philosophical history there. That's good. We all need to be aware of our faults, don't we? And that right. man in the mirror can be very, very accusing, can he? Um, if we really are honest about it. You know, uh, maybe Russell Brand will get there. Maybe he's uh, starting to get to that point. But I, I'm not so sure about Tucker. <laughs> he's the one that's got even more concerned about. I'm not sure that he's looking for any honest people. He's looking for uh, famous people. And sometimes it's good to be infamous if you want to build an audience. But let's talk about what's going on with uh, gold. I, I mentioned earlier that there's even more states that are talking about getting rid of uh, sales taxes as well as income taxes on precious metals. Um, they mentioned uh, the four states they mentioned, uh, Kentucky and Wisconsin getting rid of uh, state sales tax if you buy gold and silver. Uh, Georgia and Kansas uh, would get take it off of uh, – uh, income tax, if you're buying gold or silver or getting rid of it, that type of thing. Of course, other states like Tennessee, we don't have an income tax. So uh, Tennessee has already taken it off of the sales tax. You, how many different states are there that uh, uh, don't uh, tax uh, gold and, and silver, precious metals? I think we're coming up on a majority of the states now that uh, don't have a sales tax on gold and silver. And and I there's... I, it should be more and more getting added every year. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons that I, I have land in Northwest Arkansas, but one of the reasons I don't have my shop in Northwest Arkansas and I went across the border into Branson, Missouri, is because Missouri didn't have a, a sales tax on gold and silver bullion. And you can't be a gold and silver dealer. Nobody's going to pay it. So, yeah. there, you know, just just from a business standpoint, the states would be wise to lift those restrictions because no one's going to have that commerce going on in your state anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So. Again, this is this is how you know it's grassroots and from the people because it has to do with lifting restrictions and getting uh, <laughs> rid of taxes. That's how you know it's not coming from the top down. I think this is part of you know the the demand from the bottom up, David. We're seeing that you know again people going to to Walmart, going to Costco, they're selling out of gold bars. People understand instinctively there's something wrong with their currency, and this is what's happening is it's causing a. Uh, Mm-hmm. An effect all across the country of lifting these restrictions. Yeah. And, and what they're talking about is uh, essentially all precious metals, gold, silver, platinum, and palladium, uh, palladium bullion uh, beginning in August if these uh, things pass. Uh, even um, uh, in Wisconsin, they're talking about uh, removing it from uh, copper bullion. Uh, so, uh, again, uh, this is uh, – but, but when you look at gold and silver, uh, this is not only just helping people to – Guess something is going to be a preservation of wealth, but it's also, I think, a, a necessary component for it to be used in a trade as a currency. And I think that's another thing that's driving that uh, the fear and the understanding of a lot of state legislators about how shaky the dollar is. And, uh, you know, we don't want to have uh, if we have taxes on the exchange of gold and silver, then you can't use it as a currency. Well, I think this is the future, too. 
mm-hmm. because of the loss of the purchasing power of the dollar and the loss of the uh, dollar as the world's reserve currency, I think is going to create a, a multifaceted currency selection. It's not going to just be something like the BRICS, the, the Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. It's not going to be something like the BRICS create the new world reserve currency. In my opinion, there's going to be uh, a handful, uh, maybe more, maybe a dozen different currencies used around the world, and the dollar will just get supplanted that way. I think this is, again, you're watching gold and silver become legal tender in more and more states. Uh, you know, internationally, this is going on as well. So I, th- I think we're seeing. I think we're seeing a. This is a very positive trend, David, because the dollar is losing that status. People are waking up to that. It's slowly but surely, and we're going to see more and more of this on the horizon. Yeah, I agree. And the Kansas uh, bill um, has two bills. Uh, they explicitly reaffirm that gold and silver are legal tender. So that is a big part, as you pointed out. Uh, as and as far as the taxation goes. Uh, Peter Schiff says, well, you know, the, the stuff has already been taxed when you look at inflation. That's a tax. No, you know, you can double tax it. You <laughs> exactly. Know? Exactly. And, and of course, that's the argument that people make, you know, with um, you know, the estate tax and things like that. You know, when you have uh, when somebody dies and the family is uh, taxed on the value of the estate, it's especially true of of homes. Now, of course, land is going to go up in value. But you look at homes, uh, you know, after they're they're paid off after 30 years or whatever, and 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 it's supposedly worth um, 10 times or more uh, what it was when they bought it 30 years uh, earlier, and it's now 30 years old and not brand new. Uh, so there's that's built into it. When you look at the valuation of uh, you know family business or a farm or something like that, uh, that uh, dollar figure that's there, they don't uh, adjust that for the inflation. They say, well, you know, that's it's like this all happened in in one year. You know, it went from uh, X to uh, 100 times X or something like that. Uh, and uh, so, you know, a lot of that or all of it in many cases is going to be just a higher value based on inflation. So that, that is a really uh, unjust form of taxation. And uh, it is not about, you know, Jefferson uh, was um, supportive of, uh, things that would stop well from being passed on from generation to generation because he wanted people to earn it themselves. But he wasn't looking at a central bank and and the kind of engineered inflation that's going to artificially inflate this stuff. Well, no, he wasn't. And, uh, Thomas Jefferson believed in tariffs. I mean, about yeah. 78 percent of all the revenue that the government collected for the first 120 years of its existence was from foreign imports. We taxed you at the border. And uh, you had if you wanted to, to gain interest to America's markets, you had to pay for it, which that's a taxation I agree with. And I yeah. think you know it can be strategic. It's called economic nationalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pat Buchanan wrote about it a lot. I think we were better off when we had economic nationalism. Now, now we tax from within, and you can't really own your home, can't really own your property. You have property tax, you have income tax, which really wasn't a part of our history until 1913. Yeah, you had the, the during the Lincoln administration to pay for the Civil War, and there was uh, again, but that got struck down. It was mm-hmm. deemed unconstitutional. Of course, we had to have the 16th Amendment, and that really goes hand in hand with the Federal Reserve because you know, somebody has to pay the interest uh, to the banksters. So, no, I, I think this is. You know, you look at something like Bitcoin, David, and I've been in the Bitcoin business since 2016. I had Bitcoin ATMs for a long time. The reason that it's not taxed, you know, if you're, there's no sales tax on Bitcoin is because it was recognized as a currency. And more and more uh, in the consciousness, uh, gold and silver. Now, gold and silver are money, and there's a difference between currency and money. Sometimes they can be the same thing. Mm-hmm. But I think more and more people are recognizing gold and silver, uh, physical gold and silver bullion 
is money and is currency, and that's why it shouldn't be taxed. Yeah, I was talking to uh, Aaron Day the other day, and he's um, you know completely focused on the CBDC stuff. He'd been involved in politics and said, "No, this is the thing. This is this is the hill to die on." Uh, he even ran briefly for a president so he could get in and talk to some of these candidates. And uh, but you know he's written a book about it, and he said, you know, when they did this to Bitcoin, where they moved it from something that was uh, designed to be used as you know currency to something that was a store of wealth, uh, it completely changed the character of it. And uh, so he said, you know, it's it's got an issue with in terms of the um, the uh, speed at which you can do transactions, the capacity of um, that that structure to handle a lot of transactions. Uh, but uh, that that is a key thing. So you're talking about it being money as well as uh, currency. What is your distinction between money and currency? Well, the, uh, money has to inherently have a store of value. Currency can be like a fiat currency just by decree. And of course, uh, currency like a electric current, if it stops, it dies. <laughs> and so that's th- yeah. that's why it has that's why there's something called money velocity in uh, the fiat currency world. You have to have more and more usage. It's basically a giant Ponzi scheme when people stop buying into the system. Yeah. And that's why if you look at, uh, you know, the 80 percent of all the hundred dollar bills ever printed, are in the continental United States. It's, you know, the petrodollar. It's used in transactions all over the world. Uh, when people stop using that, and I've talked on your show earlier this year, we spoke about uh, the economist Robert Triffin. You have Triffin's dilemma. Back in the 1960s, he, he was asked before Congress, and what happens when, you know, if we, if we lose that status of the world's reserve currency? Because back then, as you know, a lot of countries were taking notice that we took the silver out of our coinage. You know, we had uh, guns and butter and uh, LBJ was going to make the great society on the Mekong. And there was something wrong with the U.S. dollar. And that's why eventually, you know, 1971, Richard Nixon has to take us off of the gold standards because we couldn't honor the Bretton Woods agreement. So, again, our dollar went from being money and currency to just currency and free floating. And the dollar is now the oldest living fiat currency in the world. It's, you know, (laughs) the average lifespan is about 26 years. We've doubled that. And uh, we'll see how how it all ends up, uh, but it's not going to be well. And that's what I was. I did a little video last week on my channel, and I just talked to you know. I held up a a, a one ounce gold coin, and I held up a U.S. dollar, and I said, "Now, what's the difference between these? And one of them's currency, and one of them's money. One one is a store of value. It's going to it has a value inherently in and of itself. It could also be traded and used as currency. And one other thing is just it's given psychological value, and there's a demand for it." Mm-hmm. Uh, so for, you know, for a brief period in time, it, it, it can give you some wealth, but it's it's uh, it's an illusion. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think a lot of people are coming to understand, especially after the last uh, three or four years. I mean, with the loss of purchasing power, and I even asked in that video is your does your dollar buy the same amount of groceries that it did three years ago, two years ago? <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. And when, you, when you talk about velocity and keeping this currency flowing. Um, that's one of the key things that they want to be able to manipulate with CBDC that uh, is going to be even more powerful for them because they can uh, impose negative interest rates and everything. So it's like you either spend it or you lose it. And, and it's not just negative interest rates. They can put a, a timer on it. This is all here's some money um, and it's going to expire in such and such a amount of time. And of course, it doesn't even have to be the money that they give you. It could be the money that you've earned. And it's going to expire in a certain amount of time. So you better spend it. Uh, that's a, a, an amazing tool for these bankers to be able to prop up velocity. And uh, that, is, that is such a tantalizing prospect for them. 
uh, they're going to pursue this with every ounce of their fiber. Uh, oh, absolutely. That, that's the, it's just the dream of these people who control all of this stuff. And of course, as you were pointing out, when they changed uh, the U.S. from a system of taxation at the border and no taxation internally, I think a large part of that was, as you pointed out, and we all know, is, you know, they created the income taxes at the same time they created the, the Federal Reserve. They change and, and then they take down tariffs. Uh, they change it to internal taxation. I think that allowed them, uh, one aspect of it is it allowed them uh, to have a greater taxation uh, because uh, they really they couldn't ramp up the tariffs that they keep ramping up the tariffs. People just stop buying stuff elsewhere and they start making things internally and buying stuff from each other within the United States. But you can't escape the taxes when they make them internal and when they start to tax every single thing that you do, everything that you own. And so it was just um, uh, uh, the difference between night and day. They, they had everything now. There was no limit to the amount of money that they could make with taxes because there was no limit to anything that they could tax. Well, right. And I think, you know, I think history shows that it was a way for the elite to make sure that no one ever competes with them. They created their foundations prior uh, to the 16th Amendment. This was part of the elite keeping their status forever and making sure that you can never climb up the ladder. It's, that's right. It, it, tariffs always get uh, blamed, too, for, oh, that's just an arcane throwback. It doesn't work. It's isolationism. And I'm thinking, well, well all four presidents on Mount Rushmore agreed with tariffs. So how is it working out in the modern era where all these you know free traders and all these free <laughs> trade agreements? I'm all for free markets. But I think when you're talking about in the modern era, and this is something that almost never gets talked about anymore, but we throw our workers into some Darwinian contest survival of the fittest with countries with no regulation, with slave labor. You know, and again, that these multinationals, they just they Thomas Jefferson was right when he said merchants have no country. Mm -hmm. They just they don't fight for us. These big companies that, you know, they don't fight for lower taxes or deregulation or any of that. They just move wherever they want and, and ship the products back in. You know, and you if you look at the movies like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, when Ben Stein plays the teacher, if you listen to the lecture he's giving in the movie, he's talking about how the Smoot-Hawley bill uh, back in the early 1930s <laughs> uh, caused the Great Depression, which Smoot-Hawley was a tariff to protect the American workers in a time of economic downturn. And, uh, you know, years later, uh, Ben Bernanke would actually admit that it was the Federal Reserve that caused the crash. Mm -hmm. And uh, we wouldn't do that again. So, you know, uh, to channel Pat Buchanan, uh, uh, Smoot and Holly were framed. Uh, Smoot and Holly <laughs> were framed and the Federal Reserve was actually the culprit in the in the Great Depression. Again, the tariffs have have always been a part of the American character. But yet when they started taxing inward, that was the play to give the elites free run of the game. Mm -hmm. They don't pay income tax. They don't, you know, what was the, I think I was a couple of years ago, GE paid zero. Mm -hmm. This giant General Electric, giant multinational paid zero income tax. So, you know, I'm paying more tax than the GE. How does this work? So <laughs> it, it's not a, it, it's part of, and I think this is part of the, you know, the Communist Manifesto as well. <laughs> Graduated income tax, all of that. So we have to, um, we have to be careful not to get too comfortable with all of these things that are really anti-American in the first place. Maybe that's why the students didn't answer uh, 
And Ben Stein, you know, you anyone, anyone, <laughs> you know, out there, they're all saying, is he feeding us that Keynesian uh, BS again? <laughs> it's funny. I, I just years and years ago, I was just watching the movie and I go, well, he's absolutely wrong about that. You yeah. know, of course, Ben Stein was a speechwriter for Nixon. Yeah. Yeah. So they're just looking at this. What is he getting at? I mean, we don't believe any of that stuff. <laughs> no, when you were talking about uh, these uh, these merchants who have no country, of course, the technocrats have no country either. I remember the discussion that Musk had with uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, where they're talking about, yeah, we just got to bring the best people in here. I don't really care about these Americans. Let's just get some cheap labor in here and that type of thing. And I looked at that and I thought, you know, these guys, they have absolutely no loyalty to this country. They want to uh, just open up the gates and, uh, you know, it's like an exploitation from the top down. You know, when you look at Musk and you look at what Ramaswamy were advocating in their little discussion, I thought it was absolutely reprehensible. It didn't get much uh, attention, uh, but um, uh, Jefferson would have known where they were coming from, wouldn't he? <laughs> absolutely. Well, you go back to, you know, what was it three or four years ago, Disney was insourcing new employees yes. and having the old employees train them mm -hmm. before they let them go. I mean, I this is, this yeah. is, these are, there are corporations in America today, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we're going to bring in cheap foreign labor. And uh, you can just walk away or you can train your replacements and, and we'll give you a little bit more time and we'll give you a little bit more of a severance package. That was the deal that they offered them. Yeah, it was reprehensible on a lot of different levels. You know, one of the things we look at, uh, Tony, that I look at when I look at crypto, one of the reasons why um, I uh, am focused on tangible things like gold and silver is because of uh, this item here. The Ripple chairman, Chris Larson has just been hacked uh, yesterday for reported 213 million XRPs, which was $112.5 million. So you got the CEO of uh, this company that is offering Ripple. They're offering Ripple is one of the cryptocurrencies that they're trying to push out there as a, uh, as a currency, as a transactional thing, as rather than something that's more of a store of wealth. They're trying to push it, push it out uh, for a transactional uh, basis. And so you got the guy who's the CEO there, and he gets ripped off for $112.5 million, uh, the biggest hack so far this year. Uh, but uh, that, that's the thing that concerns me. You know, it's just these are people who know what they're doing, and, and it's still vulnerable. Uh, just like we see the NSA and we see the CIA getting their information hacked. Uh, it doesn't seem to be, um, yeah, it seems to me like anything that's in cyberspace is, is vulnerable. It's vulnerable to what the government wants to do, and it's vulnerable to what uh, private criminals want to do, it seems like. That's my concern. Well, in in about uh, 13 days, I'll be speaking at Anarchapoco uh, in Acapulco, Mexico, with uh, all the libertarians and anarchists and uh, pro-crypto. I mean, a lot of crypto uh -huh. uh, specialists will be there. I'm the only, I'm sponsoring, I'm, I'm the only gold guy there, and I get 30 <laughs> minutes. So I'm both, you know, I, I mean, my, my podcast that I, when I talk about financials is the Wise Wolf Gold and Crypto Show, because I think... The, the crypto space is very important to where we're headed in the future. And yes, there's there's the threat of CBDC, but I like a lot of the innovations that have gone on in crypto, but it is a lot more volatile. I mean, let's just be mm -hmm. honest. If you mm -hmm. love crypto, you have to admit, you know, a gold coin in my hand, as long as I can keep it safe, has no is no counterparty risk whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Well, if I have, you know, I, and I keep my Bitcoin most of that on an Exodus wallet. You have to write down your 12 phrases. You got to keep that somewhere safe in a fireproof box because you can reanimate the wallet. And I've done that. I've 
I've deleted my wallet off the phone and then reanimated it with my 12 phrases just to test it. So all that crypto stays on there. But again, somebody has to write that code. Somebody owns that. It's not completely safe because it is in cyberspace. So I think, you know, there's, there's so much volatility in crypto, but there is, I think, a lot of opportunity there. And it's really, that's where the free market, whatever's left of the free market, it's in hiding. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, Gresham's law, when uh, bad money enters the system, good money goes into hiding. I think crypto is, is a, is a interesting space. It has a lot of potential. Uh, I'm, I'm still optimistic about a great deal of it, but then you get the FTXs and the Sam Bankman frieds and of the world. And then you just start, you know, shrugging your shoulders. Like, has this been hijacked too? Mm -hmm. Uh, These are Mm -hmm. great questions, but uh, you could look some of the, the coins like the privacy coins. And I know you've talked with uh, people from pirate chain. Yeah. You know, there's, there's coins like Monero, there's privacy, there's some good innovations and, and, you know, you're mentioning ripple, which is XRP. I own a little bit of that and they want to make it a transactional coin. Like you, like you said, it's kind of piggy banking off the traditional banking system. Uh, you know, so I, I'm not, I'm not heavy into XRP, um, but I think that it's interesting. And then you, you hear these stories like where the CEO gets well stolen from it. Um, those aren't, those aren't good headlines, especially yeah. for people that in, that in BlackRock and all these other companies know that. And they're like, Oh, well, I think I see that you um, are interested in crypto. Let us hold it for you, which is that would go back to the ETF or the Bitcoin ETFs. And mm-hmm. th- that again, is not you truly a holding crypto. It's another way from them to manipulate the markets in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And when I had Aaron Day on the other day, you know, he said uh, the final countdown to CBDC uh, warning people about what it's like it begins with a fictional account of life under CBDC and how they can uh, destroy every last ounce of freedom under that system. And uh, then he talks about, uh, as you were mentioning, you know, having um, uh, having your own wallets and, and, you know, making sure that you're not on an exchange, any of your stuff. And and he gives um, uh, he gives. Um, um, seminars on how to do this type of stuff. And the subtitle to his book is, you know, getting out of this with gold, silver, and crypto. So he says, I, I look at all of them because we don't really know uh, how they're going to move and in which direction they're going to move. I just look at it and I was like, you know, I just don't have the time to try to um, uh, keep this stuff uh, secure if the Ripple chairman is going to have this stuff <laughs> Ripped off his a, own currency, he's going to be ripped point, off from him. You know, and and he, and here's the other thing: it's like that. I I, I talked about uh, uh, this other individual, high net worth individual, who had nearly a million dollars stolen from him uh, in uh, Bitcoin out of his wallet, and uh, he found out about it when some guy noticed uh, a whale uh, transaction, a really big transaction, and he started tracing it down. He was able to determine that it was coming from this guy, and the same thing with this Ripple chairman. Uh, you know, he's not admitting how much money. He got ripped off for, but it's other people who saw it. Other people said, hey, that's him. And and this is the amount that they got. And it's like, you know, why, again, Monera and, and Pirate Chain, they don't, uh, they're not open like that. But almost all the rest of these uh, cryptocurrencies are uh, with the, the blockchain. It's, you know, people know how to find it. They can find it. Yeah, it's an open source ledger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's why it's so laughable when you get <laughs> people that, I, I tend to think they do know what they're talking about. And they say, it's just all used for money laundering and terrorism. And they can, yeah. 
<laughs> not really. Uh, you know, it's a, this is not something the cartels aren't using, uh, you know, a Bitcoin Exodus wallet to do transactions. They have they have pallets of cash mm -hmm. again, but I'm not anti cash either. That's another trap you can fall into. Well, we got to get it all in the ledger. Mm -hmm. That's what mm -hmm. CBDC is. CBDC is getting everything on a ledger. As you mentioned earlier, one of the powers that they want absolutely is to do away with all cash. And that where there's no variables in the system and they can expand and contract the money supply at will. That's mm -hmm. what they want to be able to do. Now, that's that'll be uh, only a part of the problem. The real problem is the control. It's the social control. Right. It's going to be disguised as money, but it's all about control. It's a control grid. That's oh, why, yeah. you know, that phrase, the hill to die on, it must be opposed. Yes. It, it, everything with every fiber of our being, it must be opposed politically. We have to we have to raise awareness. And it could be that they implement it and it falls short, kind of like a Nigeria situation. I would love that. Um, they don't they don't seem to know what they're doing much anymore. I know this like they the Fed came out. Now it's hawkish again. And then they <laughs> released another report that uh, possible, you know, rate cuts down to four percent in 24. Nobody really knows. Uh, they've given several different uh, signals. Even uh, a couple of months ago, they were, t they had, you know, we're, we're going to look like we've stabilized everything. We've reached a terminal rate. I know they use that phraseology. And uh, then they said that they had another spokesperson come out and say, well, no, we're going to, we're going to stay where we are. We're not, we're not lowering rate. It's all over the place. It's coming though. Within this quarter, they will do something to lower rates in my opinion. Well, they thrive on, on the uncertainty and the volatility because that creates fear. And fear is the way that they can control people and control markets is with fear. Fear of missing out, fear of this, fear of that. And, and so they, it is all, you know, rumors and innuendo and very rapid movements up or down in order to create this kind of volatility and fear. It's, it's engineered for that. Yeah. And, you know, when I talk about the crypto stuff, um, you know, if somebody f feels comfortable, with it, it's just I look at it and, and Part of it, I think, Tony, is the very name, you know, cryptocurrency. Oh, well, this is uh, it's crypto. If it's encrypted, that means it must be private. You know, a lot of people think that about the blockchain stuff, that uh, crypto means private, and it doesn't. There's only a couple of currencies that really uh, keep that privacy there of who owns it. All the rest of the stuff is uh, completely naked and exposed to governments and to the public. Well, time, it's open so. source. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. you can download a, a Bitcoin wallet as long as it's not tied to an exchange. That's decently anonymous, mm -hmm. but not 100 mm percent. -hmm. I mean, you can always find out who that who that is, especially when you start transacting with other wallets. And it's, if they're commercial, especially because mm -hmm. those commercial wallets are usually hooked up to an exchange. So it's not something you can be totally anonymous with. But it is still the people's currency, still the people's money, in my opinion, Bitcoin, because it, if you, it, you know, internationally, if I want to send a transaction, I certainly can't, um, you know, and I don't and all your eggs in one basket in the coming years is a bad idea in any respect. Mm -hmm. I like things that are outside of the system because mm -hmm. the system in itself is going to draw you in uh, with this to create the crisis. You know, then the solution will be you downloading your your wallet biometrically and getting hooked up to central bank digital currency uh, to save the currency. And then we're all in this together. I've heard these phrases before, um, you know, but that's, that's the way they're going to roll it out. And you just got to be outside of the system. So if you can do that by getting physical gold and silver, that's a great start. If you if you've have the, the brain power and the time to look at crypto, absolutely look into it. I, mm -hmm. I, I'm no expert, by the way, I, I do this all day long. And I still and there's things I don't know about crypto, I, I need to have more guests on my show. Well, Tell me what's happening. Neither is the CEO of Ripple, uh, an expert on its own. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't feel so bad. I don't feel so bad about not knowing. I'm, luckily, yeah. I've been. I, I haven't had any major or any theft at all of my of my crypto over the years. It, it's mainly because I use it as service. You know, when I would, I just filled up the machines. We'd sell it out the day, the next day, and I'd keep wiring. And so there wasn't a lot of inventory just hold, held over in my wallets. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that might be one of the reasons. But you know, you can keep it decently safe. But yeah, you're always a target too. Those whales are always a target, and uh, they that's should true. know better. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. Well, we talked about uh, diversification: gold, silver, crypto. Let's talk a little bit about silver, since we haven't talked about that. Uh, there's a Kitco article uh, saying silver market to see record physical demand in 2024 as industrial demand remains strong and of course you know that's going to happen right uh yeah you just pulled it up we know we've talked about that before you've talked about how undervalued silver is compared to um, historically compared to gold and things like that but you know even though we've got all of this green agenda and and people are pushing back hard against it biden is still going to be subsidizing that and and it's such a big part of the green agenda it's almost like it's um you could almost look at it as kind of a hedge against the green agenda, couldn't you? <laughs> the silver. And that's part of it. Uh, yesterday, I did an interview with uh, Peter Kraut, who wrote the book, The Great Silver Bull. And he's out of Canada. It's a great book. Uh, if you want to get some history of why silver is priced the way that it is, it's it's a really fascinating um, history. Why, why, do, why is silver so cheap? Well, he started explaining to me, and, you know, if you look at, the silver mining that goes on today, only about 25% of the silver that hits the market comes from silver mines. You can hardly find any good silver mining stocks. There's just not a whole lot of entities doing that because the price point isn't there. It's not worth getting the contracts and digging through the ground and getting the ore out. Mm-hmm. And so you have a lot of problems with, with finding new supply. And he was telling me, you know, Basically, all the recycling and all the mining and most of the silver comes from uh, gold mining, copper mining. It's just an added benefit. They get some silver out of that, too. So about a billion ounces a year are produced. And he said, well, what's been happening year over year, it's the demand is going to, you know, 1.2, 1.3. So you're talking about hundreds of millions of ounces that are missing. And a lot of that ends up in landfills. It'll never be recovered. Gold has been recovered over the years. A lot of, you know, you, people come to p- places like, like Wise Wolf and sell their, their bracelets or their com- the stuff they've mined out of computers and any kind of scrap. And that gets melted. And it gets recycled back into the, to the gold ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Silver is so cheap, it hasn't been. Mm-hmm. And so this is catching up with it. We're talking about hundreds of millions of ounces in deficits. So this is coming to a head. I don't, these days of, of, of silver in the $20 range. I, I think that's ridiculous. I've been saying it for years because I can tell just the v- variety of being having to source product for people that we're nowhere near where we were in, in 2018, 2019. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could get anything then. I, I'm very lim- I'm still limited, even with stuff hitting the market. And when prices drop to a certain point, there's nothing to be had. So um, I think that we're going to see, and, and Peter, uh, Peter Kraut agreed with me, I think we're going to see this resetting of prices and, and commodities uh, very soon. And then this is an investment. I always have to clarify. I'm not talking about investment and silver is going to the moon. But mm-hmm. there is something seriously wrong with the pricing model. I mean, $52.50 an ounce in 1980 
I, I, that's what I keep saying. I'm like, this, this cannot, we're in, <laughs> look at the debasement and the destruction of the dollar uh, since that time. You know, it's 40, 44 years ago. I know because I was, I was just born. So there's, there's a problem with the dollar and the silver gold ratio. There's a problem with all of that. I think the deficits are going to kick in sooner or later and the physical demand. But you, you look at even the, the warfare state, David, it's like 40, 40 pounds of silver in a Tomahawk missile. You know, two, <laughs> and you're not going to recover two, that either. When <laughs> no, we keep blowing it up. We blow it up or we send it into landfills because it's so cheap. Yeah. I just think there's a day of reckoning coming. I think silver not only is a monetary metal like gold and has been money longer than gold and, and traded longer than gold, uh, but it is also an industrial metal. It's used in medicine. Uh, it's one of the when you have uh, antimicrobial, antibacterial uh, developments in medicine, it's usually coming from silver. Yeah. So it's very important to watch. So silver is, it has a, so many properties and it's so cheap right now. I just, I, there's, there's so much emphasis put on that. It never moves. People say, Oh, I just, I buy silver. It never goes anywhere. Yeah. I know. But one of these days, again, one of these days, I think that clock runs out and looks like it's going to come from the actual sub- bullion supply. Uh, it's just not there. Yeah. And that has to be a reckoning for. Well, as you pointed out, you know, getting about a billion uh, uh, ounces a year, but they're looking at a 4% increase. This is coming from the Silver Institute. So, of course, you know, they're going to uh, be focused on silver and pushing silver. But they said 690 million ounces uh, of demand for things like solar energy and electric vehicles. Uh, so just in that area alone, looking at it to uh, go up to almost 700 million ounces. Uh, as an you know, as a, a total amount that they're looking at, and then we have um, on the other side of it, we have the concerted efforts of Russia and others to uh, de-dollarize, uh, you know, to take the dollar away as being the reserve currency because that is so f- uh, fundamental to our our power base there, and so that is essentially they they realize how weaponized it's become, and they want to take that uh, weapon away. And so uh, Russia is saying that's not one of their top priorities is de-dollarization and promoting internal trade between uh, the BRICS company uh, countries and other countries uh, like that and, and not using the dollar as an intermediate exchange. And that's going to be something that will, uh, when that happens, uh, that is going to have tremendous consequences for uh, those of us who live in America, isn't it? Absolutely. And we've never seen this before yeah. because we've never lost, never gained and lost the world's reserve currency status in our history. This is something that began in 1944 at Bretton Woods and was remained uh, for the most part stable. But you can see it's, it, the percentages, David, the decline in usage of the dollar since 2001, 75% down to 45% of global transactions uh, used in dollars. And this is only increasing. It's because of the sanctions. We have 40 different sanctions in 36 different countries. Now I've been quoting that for probably six, seven months now. Uh, it's probably more sanctions. We <laughs> That's our favorite thing. We like to weaponize the dollar and use sanctions. Uh, but I think that again, you're, you're watching more and more of these countries move away. They're, they're getting out of their dollar holdings. Uh, they're getting into gold. Uh, the world gold council has just pointed out, you know, that again, year over year, uh, central banks breaking records, buying gold. There's only one central bank, major central bank, not buying gold. That's the United States. That's a Federal Reserve, not buying gold. 
Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, I I thought it was interesting when I saw this article. Um, (laughs) They uh, referred to um, uh, the Russian reporting referred to uh, the Russian Serpa for BRICS. Uh, they don't call him a czar for some reason. Huh? <laughs> we, call, we, we like to call our <laughs> drug czar, William Bennett, and everybody else. You know, whenever they put somebody in charge of something in the U.S., we like to call him a czar. Uh, they don't like uh, czars in Russia, so they call him a Sherpa. His name is Sergei Ribakov, and he says the uh, top priority for BRICS in 2024 is de-dollarization for them and for everybody else that they can get in there. Uh, Wes Robertson on Rockfin says if the Federal Reserve is not abolished, it won't matter what we end up using as currency. The country will never be free. Well, I agree. But, of course, you know, CBDC is a way to accelerate this trend and to take it to a new level that we have never, ever seen before. And that's across the board when we look at what is happening with so much of the technology, you know, uh, robotics and uh, artificial intelligence and nanotech and all the rest of this stuff um, and genetics. All of these things are rapidly changing and if we're at the point right now where they want to redesign the financial system, as you pointed out and we talked about earlier. Uh, it's gone on for a very long time. And it's one of these institutions that people are going to change. As long as the Federal Reserve is there, it, it still is going to be a threat no matter how they redesign the system. But this CBDC is the worst thing, uh, the worst possible scenario that we could have for a currency. So that's, that's my interest in it. Anything that I can use to as a hedge to not have to be 100% into that system. Uh, that's what I want to uh, focus on. Tell us a little bit about what's going on at uh, Wise Wolf, uh, wisewolf.gold. And of course, you can get to that by davidknight.gold. What's happening at Wise Wolf, Tony? Well, we just got lots of packages going out. Wolfpack's growing. Uh, we'd love more people. The more people to join, the better prices I can get for everyone. Uh, I, I just got a, a big shipment of gold backs in, and we even have gold back wallets. Mm. Uh, I'd like to thank for, for love of the road, uh, the David Knight listener has, uh, shares a lot of your content, uh, ask us about it. And so we ordered, um, the gold back wallets. So you can, you can get a special wallet for your gold back. And I I decided last month, I said, I'm going to put gold backs in every order. Now, how is a, how's a gold back wallet differ from a regular wallet? I'm not. It's just a little bit. It's just longer. You don't want to fold your gold backs. Oh, okay. All right. So, so you, you want to keep those without folding and crinkling in the middle. Mm-hmm. So it's just a longer, it's a leather wallet. And uh, we ordered it from the, from the gold back company. That's cool. uh, there was a tip. One of the, again, one of the listeners for love of the road said, uh, you need to check this out. So we did. And we, we ordered some, but I just decided we're putting gold backs in every tier. And I bought the, the, uh, the $1, um, denominations and from different states. And we have New Hampshire, Wyoming, Utah, uh, some others, Nevada, I believe. And we just get it. We're going to get shipments of that every month. And we're putting them in all of the, all of the wolf packs. It gives you a little bit of diversity. Uh, you know, it's not the best way to get gold, but in that fractionalized sense, it can be very smart. Cause you're talking about 24 karat gold in a note. Yeah. It's, you know, spread very thin. It's like one, one thousandth of a of an ounce or something like that. So it's, it's something in you go check out uh, davidknight.gold and there's a tab on there. It's a join Wolfpack. We've, we've been adding a lot of new products. Um, I've, I've got so much pre 1965 silver. It's crazy. I've been buying it both at the Denison location in Texas and here in Branson. And we just keep stacking 90%. We're not going to run out of 90% anytime soon. I've got dimes, quarters, half dollars. And we've even got a lot of the, uh, the, the silver dollars, the real ones, not the, not the Eisenhower dollars from the 70s. I'm talking about real peace dollars and Morgan silver dollars that are going to be going into Wolfpack as well. So a lot, a lot of great stuff there. That's I, we're 
Yeah, again, pride, we pride ourselves. We we did something different than a lot of the other gold and silver dealers, the big ones especially. They're going after the whales and going after people that, you know, $10,000 or more. I wanted every day. Now we can handle those transactions and we welcome them, but I'm handling just average people that are just, you want to save up something to be outside of the system and especially in the face of, of central bank digital currency. Wolfpack's a great way to do that. It's It's not a contract and you're going to get medals every single month. Uh, I'm trying to make the orders a lot more efficient. Like you bill and your billing date. I'm like two or three days later, I want your package with a tracking number. So we're working on that. It's, it's been, it's been well, a great I love the goal back things. And and uh, when Aaron Day was on the other day, he was talking about, you know, using cash, talking about using goal backs as, as well. He says, a lot of times I'll leave it as a tip along with a, a note explaining it and and what it is to try to get people uh, accustomed to using that. And, and that's the key thing. You know, we have to try to put these things in circulation and we just like we've got to try to make sure we keep using cash, consciously use cash, even though it may not be quite as uh, convenient as just swiping plastic or something like that. Uh, it is um, it's important to use those freedoms or we're going to lose them. And already you're seeing this happening. You know, it's happened in many countries where they shut down the ATMs and things like that. So, you know, having a gold back and, and something like that that you can use, if we can make that more popular, that that is a great alternative. And I, I really like those things. That's great. Well, I'm, thank, a, I'm a big fan of them. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Tony. And again, uh, David Knight Gold will take you to Wise Wolf, where Tony is. I've known him for a very long time, and um, he's he can help you with anything, large or small. So thank you again, Tony. Appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. The David Knight Show is a critical thinking super spreader. If you've been exposed to logic by listening to The David Knight Show, please do your part and try not to spread it. Financial support or simply telling others about the show causes this dangerous information to spread farther. People have to trust me. I mean, trust the science. Wear your mask, take your vaccine, don't ask questions. Using free speech to free minds, it's The David Knight Show.